Hey friends, the Exiles in Babylon conference is happening again, April 18th through the 20th uh, in 2024 in Boise, Idaho. We're talking about deconstruction of the gospel, women power and abuse in the church, LGBTQ inclusion in the church, and three Christian views on politics and the gospel. Uh, we've got a loaded lineup of speakers, including Joshua Harris, Abigail Favalli, Amin Hudson, Edna Wickham, Julie Slattery, Tiffany Bloom, Sandy Richter, Lori Creed, Greg Coles, Art Perea, Brenna Blaine, Kat LaPrieri, Chris Butler, Carol Swain, Brian Zahn, plus a live podcast with hip-hop all-star KB and Amin Hudson of the Southside Rabbi Podcast. Street hymns will be performing throughout the conference. Worship by Evan Wickham and Tanika Wyatt and also Max Licato is going to be there uh, all the information is at theologyintheraw.com. Again, if you want to attend live in person, uh, I would register sooner than later. We're also going to live stream the conference, so that option is there as well. Again, Exiles in Babylon, 2024, April 18th through the 20th. Hey, friends, welcome back to another episode of Theology in the Raw. My guest is Spencer Goldstein, who um, used to work for the Center on Conscience and War. He has recently separated from the Army on reasons of conscience due to his Christian faith. He's a graduate of West Point, has a master's in biblical exposition, and is committed to peace, justice, and inclusion for the disability community. And uh, in this podcast episode, uh, we basically just talk about what it was like uh, being a Christian in the army, and then also realizing that uh, his Christian faith was, in, in his experience, in his opinion, uh, incompatible with continuing to serve in the army. So he became a conscientious objector, a CO, and we talk about uh, his journey and uh, many other things related to that topic. So please welcome to the show for the first time, the one and only Spencer Goldstein. Spencer, thanks so much for coming on Theology in the Rock. Yeah, thanks, Preston. It's great to be here. So, um, I mean, you have a pretty remarkable story, um, and <laughs> we're chatting offline. It actually involves Theology in the Rock a little bit, but uh, yeah, I'm excited to hear how it fits into your story. But why don't, why don't you just start with uh, maybe what made you want to join the military? Why don't we start start there, and then uh, I'll just have you take us on your journey. That sounds great. Um yeah, so uh, Theology in the Raw was the first place I went to that I was told to go to for resources on conscientious objection, nonviolence, and everything like that. So this is definitely full circle for me. But yeah, so it started, uh, I went to West Point, uh, so which is undergraduate institution. So I was a soccer player growing up and wanted to play in college. And uh, they were one of the schools that was recruiting me. Um, and so I always say it wasn't like a like an honorable a service-minded thing. It was like, oh, I can play soccer there and uh, they pay you to go there. So it's like free school. I can get paid to go there. It's a really good school. Um, that sounds amazing. Let's do it. Uh, so that was kind of the, the original plan. Uh, and wait, real quick, yeah. West Point, I always think of that as like the military school. Is it more than that or? Uh, yeah. So it's like the Army uh, Military Academy. Uh, and it's the United States Military Academy is what it goes by. So that's why people kind of get that. But it's just like the Air Force Academy for the Air Force, Naval Academy for the Navy. Um, it was just there first. 1802, it's been there for a long time. So it's kind of the, the original. Okay. Yeah. So you went there to play soccer and then ended up joining the military. 
Yeah. So when you go there, uh, you go to school for four years. And then when you graduate, you're uh, commissioned as an officer uh, and your contract is for five years um, that you have to do after. That's kind of how you pay back the school and everything. So I go to play soccer there uh, pretty quickly. I'm just like not like an army guy. It's just from the start. Um, it just really wasn't like uh, I didn't enjoy the army training or uh, you go through like an initial basic training type thing. Um, and it just like wasn't the best time for me. Uh, but I stuck it out because I wanted to play soccer. Uh, and that's actually where I started following Jesus it was about my sophomore year. Um, I had an amazing boxing partner who kind of uh, ministered to me and helped me as I was going through some really hard times and um, started just following Jesus seriously. And once I did that, I was like, I want nothing to do with soccer. I just want all my time to be dedicated to uh, this Jesus guy. And um, so I quit the team and just focused on uh, following Jesus. And that's when I started taking the army stuff a lot more seriously. Um, so there's a lot of trainings and a lot more things that you can do, especially when you're not part of the soccer team. So that's where I really see my relationship with Jesus starting, but also my military experience starting. The next two years, you know, uh, hand in hand, studying to be a good officer, studying to be a Christian. I was really involved in Young Life there. You know, the whole community there, everybody's Army. So our church, uh, was everybody was Army. Everybody teaching me about Christianity as army guy. So we never really talked about nonviolence or, or militarism or anything like that. And then in 2018, graduated and commissioned as a military police officer. Um, and my first duty station was in Georgia. So shipped out to Georgia, um, uh, and actually started liking the army stuff. Uh, really enjoyed, you know, leading people. Um, that's all really being an officer is, is, is leading teams and, and, uh, organizing teams, serving people. Uh, a lot of that language is used, um, really enjoyed it. Uh, that's when I was, I was married, uh, in 2019, um, to Rachel. Uh, we were living in Georgia, just kind of doing the army thing. And, um, and then in 2020, we had my daughter, which is where kind of everything shifted for us. So she was born uh, with Down syndrome, which was a complete surprise for us. So we had no idea. And so up until then, uh, it was just kind of, you know, in the Army, being a Christian is really tied to leadership. And uh, to be the best Christian is to be the best leader, is to get the best runtime and, you know, put your hands up and say, glory to God uh, that I can run the fastest and lead the best and, and be ranked number one. Um, obviously it's not in such direct language, but that's, that's a lot of the essence of, of following Jesus is, is the success aspect. And so, uh, I really bought into that and I really, uh, just believe like, okay, if I'm going to follow Jesus seriously, I just need to be the best at everything. Um, and again, it's not like direct language like that. Um, but that's kind of the idea that it has. And so when my daughter was born, um, again, she was born with uh down syndrome i began i had some initial feelings of like okay i've been a good christian i've i'm doing the right things and i get the kid with the disability which i know is not now i just think that's the most ridiculous statement um but that was that was an original feeling 
And then I started to, you know, be introduced more to the disability community of, uh, you know, what about the kids who can't walk or can't talk uh, or can't don't have those uh, typical functioning skills? Are they still loved? Are they still good Christians? Um, and those were some serious questions that I had. And then just to feel the love for your own daughter, that may be a little bit different. I just love her so much. And I know God loves her so much and treasures her so much. So I must be kind of off on something. Um, and that's when things really started to shift for me. Shift for you in terms of how you viewed the military or, or when did that start to, when did you start to kind of process your Christian faith with your military service? Yeah, that's a good question. I'd say that's when um, things shifted for me just in my process of thought. Um, so I was in seminary at the time, uh, taking some classes. Um, so, you know, going through the hermeneutics and, and all these, all these types of things. And all all these classes I'm going to, I'm going to to try to learn how to be the most effective Christian. It's kind of how I approach those classes. But now I'm approaching these differently. I'm approaching these of how can I be more introspective in my relationship with God? How can I uh, take a different perspective? Which really uh, cemented the fact. So then when... Uh, my daughter was born. She had a lot of medical complexities and things like that. Uh, so we moved to Colorado, uh, which is actually our home state, uh, where the hospitals are just a lot better and more conducive for some of the things she was going through at the time. So we moved back here uh, and I was stationed at Fort Carson. Um, so I'm new to the unit. The one thing about being a Christian in the Army is you just always want people to know you're a Christian in the Army. That's like the number one goal is just that they know that you're a Christian. And one of my first weeks there, we had a uh, shooting exercise. So I'm a military police officer. So we're doing like a clearing a building exercise where you're shooting targets. Uh, these targets are real people's faces uh, on, on pictures. Uh, and it's a competition style. We go through the day and actually win this competition. And uh, yeah, I, I leave and things are said to say, hey, Spencer's a Christian, but he'll also shoot you in the face. And that hung in my head, man. Huh. Uh, wow. He's a Christian, but he'll shoot you in the face. Uh, and it just felt and sat really wrong with me. Um, and I had a friend at the time who uh, talked to me about nonviolence. And I was so against it. I was like, no, we're the good guys. We got to go get the bad guys and protect ourselves. And she was like, well, I think you can think differently about this. Like, is this the way Jesus would respond? Uh, and so when that felt wrong, I went to her and, and she started uh, to tell me, you know, well, Jesus's call is to love people nonviolently to the point of his own death, maybe ours, um, which is very different than protecting this idea that we have um, to the death of others, to the point of death of others. And um, she pointed me to, to your podcast and some of your resources. And so now that I was able to see things, I think, differently, uh, and, you know, from the perspective of some things that my daughter taught me and the disability community taught me, I went out to prove that you can be a Christian and kill people, and that's okay, uh, at the point of being in the military. And it was just impossible. I couldn't. I was at that point where I was like, I, I don't, I can't do this. Uh, if I was to continue on, I'd be going against what I believe God has for me. So what am I going to do? Am I going to make this stand and, and take the CEO route, the conscientious objection route? 
or am I just, or am I not? Um, and that was a big step of faith for me there. What's it like? Yeah. So how do you do the CEO route? Do you like schedule an appointment, talk to your higher ups and say, here's my new viewpoint. I can no longer serve in the army or that, that, that sounds pretty frightening. Is that, was that where, how, how does it yeah. go about and how, how is it received from the army when you say you're a CEO? Yeah. So there, there's a process of, uh, you have to fill out a packet that has a bunch of essay questions kind of getting at, uh, when you join, you're saying I'm okay doing this, obviously. So being a conscientious objector is something has changed. So right. you have to be able to c- communicate what changed, why did it change? And is this a true feeling? Um, or is it just kind of you wanting to get out? And so that's kind of the main process. And it is a long process, a uh, very long process. So I started working on the packet. Uh, I let my chain of command know these were my intentions. Um, and my, I want to state at the start, my process was so much easier than most soldiers. Uh, really? Far easier. I had a great experience. I had leaders that listened to me. Um, it, yeah, I had some pushback and, and things like that. Um, but I think being an officer and it is different than, like, I can't imagine being private or specialist, or a low ranking soldier who comes out with these, uh, with this ideology and, and taking a stand, you just get eaten alive. Um, so you were treated with respect though. I mean, for the most part, for the most part. Yeah. And I, I do, my leaders were, were amazing and, uh, and, and believed me and wanted the best for me and, and obviously did not agree with me by any means, but, um, said, Hey, if this is what you believe in, we'll, we'll, you know, support you. And, and that's a great thing about the army that I think they do very well sometimes is, is support when, when the army's rights, when the leaders are doing what they're supposed to be doing, they're supposed to support their soldiers. And, and I had leaders who did that, which was really nice, but, um, that is the anomaly. Uh, okay. What are some, well, I've, that that's going back to that statement, you know, Spencer's a Christian, but he'll shoot you in the face. That almost assumes a kind of dichotomy, right? Or is it, there's an, almost an underlying assumption there that like, yeah, Christian should normally not shoot people in the face, but Spencer will. And he's kind of unique, you know, he's cool or whatever. Um, so, I mean, when you say I'm a conscientious conscientious objector because of my Christian word. That's a hard, why is it so hard to say? Is it hard for you too? I'll just say CO, CO. Um, my mouth just doesn't do that. Yeah. Um, It's hard. Like, is there, when you say, well, because of my Christian faith, is there kind of like, Oh, okay. Sound like you're being consistent with your religious commitment. I can almost see where people could respect that. Is that how you, what you received that you're actually living out your faith more consistently and they can kind of recognize that if that's true for you. And then I'm curious for the majority of people who don't have a really good experience. Yeah. Um, funny enough, when I was applying for West Point, I, I could speak the Christian language and I think I used that in order to, you know, help my packet and admissions process and things. Yeah, I'm a Christian, you know, um, I could, I could speak that stuff. And so um, one of the admissions counselors said, Hey, you know, you're getting into the army and you've talked about your faith. Is that okay with you? So uh, I think that's what you're yeah. speaking to of, of there is this tension, um, of this kind of feels wrong. Uh, when you look at the life of Jesus, when you look at Christian history, when you look at these things, there is a, a an automatic tension. Now, 
I think I never experienced that, especially at West Point. And in my first few years as an officer, you know, they were hand in hand. So to be the best officer is to be a Christian. And so if we want better officers, we should probably make them Christians. To be the best Christian is to be the best army officer. So these were really tied together um, very closely. And I think it's almost overdone because we're overcoming the fact of, uh, of, of kind of that inward feeling that we have that this feels wrong, if that makes sense. Yeah. So, so being, so there was many, like several other Christians at West Point or other Christian officers, like you weren't like an anomaly being a Christian in, in the army like that. No, there's a ton. Um, there's a whole thing called officer Christian fellowship. Um, it's, uh, and especially the community I was in, I mean, most of my friends are all, uh, still in the army and, and faithful Christians. Um, and, and so there are a ton and, and, you know, there's, there's some that aren't and there's some that, you know, who are we to judge? But, um, I think, I think the army does a really good job of implementing faith in very subtle ways before any event we have a chaplain praise, which is kind of weird, right? Uh, it's a, it's a governmental organization and we're praying before our dinners and we're praying before our change of command ceremonies. These are these are weird things that are interwoven with the culture of the army, and so it's not a, a weird thing to talk about at all. Well, yeah, I mean, I was raised in a context where serving in the in in the military was almost like an outworking of your faith. Like it would be, it would have been very odd for people not to be, whether you're in the military or or being supportive of the military was kind of a Christian virtue it was just assumed, you know, like it was, I remember um, even as old as when I was in college, I remember hearing about uh, a Christian professor at a secular uh, city college who was also a pacifist. And I was like, well, that's, that's, that's a contradiction. Like to be a Christian is to kill the bad guys, you know, the fight against evil. Like that's why we're here, you know? So, um, and it took, I mean, it was a, a long process for me to kind of just re rethink these categories, you know? So is that, is that the kind, I mean, you, you experienced probably a lot of the same thing, like, like where Christianity and militarism and patriotism were all, were all kind of blended together was that is that by far the kind of most popular view then yeah i think so and i think that's proven by when i do talk about being a pacifist when i do talk about being a ceo um some of the first responses i get which i think are going to show you know what the what the common culture is is like so you hate america you know mm -hmm. and like so why don't you want to be a good citizen and and things like that and it just reveals how interwoven this idea of Christianity is into Americanism, you know, Christian nationalism, all that type of stuff um, is so deep rooted that it's offensive for a Christian to be a conscience objector, which, you know, when we look at the life of Jesus, like, okay, I'm able to laugh at this now because I'm like, it's a, it's a very basic tenet, I believe, of following Jesus and, and of the life of Jesus and in the early church. And so um, how would that be offensive to, to being a Christian? A lot of the questions are, and again, these are dynamic things. And I, I want to do a disclaimer, too, that I don't think if, you, if you're in the Army and you like support what you're doing, but you're also a Christian, like, you're disqualified as a Christian. Right. That's not what I'm saying at all. Um, these are, this is a dynamic discussion with, with different layers. 
of things. Um, but when I began to peel back those layers of, uh, do I really want to be out killing these people that I'm told are bad? Uh, I don't want to be. I don't believe if they are my enemies, then what am I supposed to do with them? I'm supposed to love them and I'm supposed to pray for them. And I'm supposed to, you know, give them my cloak and, and also my shirt, not just my shirt. You know, if, if they're my, if they're Christians, they're my brother and they're my sisters and I don't want to kill them. And so either way for me, I was very uncomfortable with, with taking the action. And um, so disclaimer though, I don't think anybody, if you are a Christian in the army, you're disqualified or anything like that. No, that's good. That's a good disclaimer. Yeah. Everybody's on their own journey. And honestly, I, mean, I, so. well, I was going to ask you, yeah, do you get a lot of pushback or from other Christians when you say you're a CEO because of your Christian faith? Like, is that, is that, do you, do you is your story not very well received in, among other Christians? It's like the two extremes. Um, it's very well received and very supportive, especially with my close network of friends, you know, who I have relational capital with and, and things like that. Um, and with some, they're uber offended. Um, there's not really much in the middle. So yeah, it's, yeah. it's either, yeah, like fully supports you. Like, that's not my thing, man, but like, whatever, I can kind of see it. I've also gotten, oh, I don't really want to go there. Uh, I don't really want to open that, that can of worms. Um, cause there's also a, a level of like, this supports my family and, uh, which was hard for us as well. Me and my family as we were coming out. And making this stand. Um, and so that's a level two. And on the other side is kind of that uber offensive, uh, you know, what about everybody who died for you? Like you're here because people died for you in World War II and you're just stomping on their graves. Like, how dare you? Right. Yeah. Uh, how dare you be given the opportunity to go to West Point and then you do this? Like, you're better than that. Um, and so it, it is far better received than not, uh, which is great. But when it is not well received, it's pretty extreme. So what were, um, when you were in, were you, were you ever deployed overseas or? No, luckily I was never deployed overseas. Like, what was it? What was it? I guess, what was it like? Like before you were a CEO, like what was the environment like? Was it easy to be a Christian otherwise? I mean, or was there, was there like looking back, especially were there other things in that environment that were really challenging uh, to your faith? Oh, super easy to be a Christian. Uh, one, uh, I think the military has done a great job of using words like service, honor, duty, integrity. These are like Christian values um, that are almost now being monopolized by the military. And so if you're in that system, mm. uh, you're following those, those duties. And so, um, it's kind of what you were talking about of it's the best outward or walk of your faith is to go serve uh, because you're serving. That's what we're supposed to do as Christians. Right. So go do in the military. It's easy. So very easy in that way. There are a lot of Christians open and it's not like a hostile environment for Christians at all. It's, it's just focused on different things. So by no means is it on um, violence or uh, nationalism or things like that idolatry of nation or anything like that it's focused on hey i have 30 soldiers under me and i'm going to take really good care of them which is true and it, and it is great things uh you know you as an officer you are directly in charge of kids 18 to 20 year olds as a christian you want to take really good care of them 
And as an officer, you have a lot of authority to do so. And so that's where a lot of the conversation is. But yeah, it's super easy. And there's churches everywhere and there's chaplains and, and uh, you know, your you're, you're borderline worships uh, in the community. Kind of like the thank you for your service culture and, and things yeah. like that. And these are all things that you get flack for when you start speaking against. Um, but I just don't think it's healthy for the development of a, of a Christian. How do you respond to when people, when people say, you know, how dare you trample on the graves of all these people who died for our freedom, who who died so that you can even be a CEO, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a common one. And I think and most of my response is, you know, I'm grateful for what they have done so much so that I don't want anyone to do that again. Mm. Uh, and so, and especially as a Christian, you know, I'm coming from a different perspective of, uh, you know, for me, it was, I have a dual citizenship, as you will. Um, I can be a citizen of the kingdom of God, or I can be a citizen of the United States. Um, and it, when you participate in being in the military, you're now an arm of force from that. So you're in direct, you're going directly against your citizenship of the kingdom. So you have to pick one. Uh, and and that's, that's really where I came down to. And so when when people say that stuff to me, you know, I, I try to respond like that uh, in love and in patience. Um, and, you know, mostly people can understand. I, I've done some work with the Center on Conscience and War, which is an amazing, amazing organization that supports CEOs everywhere. And um, this is a great example because they'll get flack for, you know, not supporting the troops and things like that. Mm-hmm. When, in fact, they support the troops probably more than you know the dude with the lift truck and the trump flag on the back of it uh you know because they are fighting for the rights of these soldiers that have been won um you know and protected through military service um and so that is one of those rights and so sometimes it's as basic as hey this is a right that um, those people have fought for and died for and i am um, Hmm. using that right and so I'm grateful that I, I can do that because in some places you can't. Um, but I'm going to continue to to fight to make sure that uh, we can continue to do that and then that we can solve problems in different ways. Mm-hmm. Are most COs Christian? Like, is it for religious reasons that they become a CO or not? I mean, I'm um, sure there's some that aren't, right? Yeah, I think a lot of it is, I'll put it in the spiritual category. Um, I think a, a lot are Christians. I don't think you can... Uh, talk about violence or killing without a spiritual aspect. Um, and so most I talk to have been Christians, um, but there's some from all different religions, um, even humanists, you know, um, right. basically I don't want to kill people because they're human and, and they have uh, inherent uh, value in that. Yeah. I wouldn't say most are Christians, but most have a religious element for sure. Are there people that, Maybe, and you, you could speak into this more. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm going on just, you know, stuff I learned from the outside, but like, just do people see the in, internal, the in workings of the, the military industrial complex and, you know, our involvement with various coups and proxy wars and, you know, I mean, you, you peek behind the curtain or of, of what America, American imperialism has, has done around the globe and you, you don't need to have, a Christian faith to say, I don't know if I want to be part of this machine. There's a lot of propaganda that, you know, says we're the good guys. Everybody else is the bad guy if they oppose us, but there's, 
you know, no one likes to talk about the U.S. involvement in the near genocide of, you know, backing Saudi Arabia's genocide attempt on Yemen, you know, like no one wants to talk. No one wants to talk about the, the U.S. involvement in Ukraine and, you know, prior from, you know, well, back in 2014, our involvement in the the coup, you know, out of Western interest. I mean, there's so, you peek behind the curtain and all the stuff in Latin America that we've been involved. I mean, again, you don't need to be a follower of Jesus to say there, there's, there's stuff going on here that isn't talked about. And I'm not on board with that. Is there, are there people that have that kind of experience or? Um, I'd say, no, I'd say mostly it's pretty, um, that's what's hard about these conversations is that when you start to peek around the curtain and you start to see more, you get a little bit more uh, uncomfortable with what you see. And so a lot of the conversation about uh, serving in the military or anything like that stops at that place of honor because it feels very uncomfortable uh, culturally to uh, speak against military, being in the military, because it is at such a high seat at the table. But once you do start, I mean, look at Guantanamo Bay. It's like in direct opposition of American legal standing mm-hmm. and judicial process and everything. But we're, we're like totally okay with it because we kind of stop at that level, um, which is super dangerous. And as Christians, you know, that's where I see our call as in our job is to fight for those vulnerable, vulnerable people, no matter if they have committed crimes, no matter if they uh, are enemies, they are inherent beings created in the image of our God. Mm-hmm. And, and it's our duty to care for them and to love them at the expense of ourselves, you know, um, and we have to be okay with that. And unfortunately, I think that an easier route, if this is too bold to say, is to, uh, you know, go the military route. So we can lay down our lives for something. Uh, a lot of people say, you know, lay down your life for your brother. I'm going to join the military. Very honorable. Yes. At, at what you are saying is true. And I love and appreciate your values and, and your willingness to go die for others. Cause that's what all these people joining the military is. But uh, can we change this? conversation to be uh dying for something else um and i think that is the hard piece um because it 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 is a it is a dark curtain it's a heavy curtain to to draw back and as you start to do that uh, and my family has felt this as you start to peel back these layers um, and again the disability community really taught us a lot about that it's just dark and it's hard and you're fighting this uphill battle against the culture uh, where all of a sudden you're the guy who's speaking against all the veterans and, and, and trampling on their graves and all these things. And it's like, no, I'm fighting for the vulnerable people that are here now and that I believe we need to stand up for. And that's where we're going to risk our lives. That's where we're going to sacrifice for uh, and do our best to do so. If that makes sense. Totally makes sense. And I, and I appreciate the fact that you do point out all the virtues that come with military service. I mean, it's, it's, it can, it can be at least very selfless. It's, it's, you know, honor, there's courage, there's, I mean, there's so many virtues that, and this is where I, to, to me, it's not even in as much as I, you know, advocate for non, nonviolence and think the military industrial complex is problematic on so many, so many levels. 
it's not so much, my problem isn't so much with the individuals that are kind of caught up in the, the air of the culture and want to, out of noble desires, you know, fight against evil and stand for what's good and, and be selfless and sacrifice and all that, like all of that. I could, I can, I can celebrate all those things. I just think that there's mm-hmm. such deeper layers that are more, I guess, to use a term we often use today, you know, there's much more deeper systemic issues going on that I have a, a problem with. Uh, primarily, I guess, would be the silence of the church or even not silence, but the, the vocalness of the big C church and even promoting, um, a, a Christian's, you know, duty in, in, in serving the military industrial complex, you know, um, and just, uh, just not even raising the question, is this really an, an extension of, you know, uh, Jesus's ethic? Like, is, is this really what we should be doing as Christians? Like, but that, so that falls more on the American church culture, the American church leaders that have kind of got wrapped up to me. That's more where my, I don't want to say target of attack, really, but if I was going to address kind of some root issues, it would be more that, that the church is just absorbing this patriotic narrative that Babylon has given to us without questioning that. Like n- nobody in the f- <laughs> first few centuries of the church would have, you know, I don't know. It was, it, if, you, if, you, if you take a first, second, or third century Christian and transport them into 21st century American Christianity, they, they would have just been like, what in the, they, they, they wouldn't have a category for the merging of the Christian faith and, and the patriotism around, especially around, you know, militarism that exists in the church today. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I'm going with I that, think, but yeah. Well, no, you're absolutely right. And I think that's, what's so hard. And I was subject to that too. Right. And so you're going through West point and you're like, worships there, you know, like the best of the best, uh, way to go i can't believe you decided to do this it's amazing yeah um and we always joke that uh when you when you graduate and you commission you actually get demoted because the highest ranked person in the army is a uh, first class cadet which is a senior just because they're like they've been through west point and they have such high uh plow if you will that you get demoted when you get out. And so it's kind of like this image, you know, you're watching the, have you ever seen the football games and, and all these things that are like American centric things that hold, that seem to hold the fabric of, of the culture together. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're taking these kids who, you know, want to serve, who want to help others, who want to defend the helpless, which are all amazing things. They're taking them and using them to further those goals. And that's what makes me most sad. Um, you know, the army has some, some awful people, obviously everyone has awful people, but some of the, just like a most amazing and brilliant thinkers and leaders, I see them as being distracted with this mission where if they were focusing on, um, homelessness, feeding people, energy, cry, all these different things, we have a lot of problems solved just because these are dynamic, brilliant thinkers who could really mm. change the world, but they're just stuck in this mission uh, that is really just furthering the goals of the institution of this country and mm. not of any uh, vulnerable people or people that actually need that. And, and, I, and I think that's a piece that hurts the most is it's at the expense of these people. And once you get into the system, it's like, it's hard to come out of um, because you're getting the, 
10% off at Chili's or whatever, you know, uh, all the way from there to, you know, being honored at, at an NFL football game. Uh, mm. That's hard to, to break away from. Uh, and then when the church is quiet to that, um, yeah, why would you, why would you change from that? Yeah. It's so, compelling. It's super that's compelling. Where I yeah. want that call. It's such a compelling narrative. I mean, golly. The, co- the just the commercials that I, I grew up, you know, watching the commercials of serving in the middle. And I was like, I would get chills. You're like, like gosh, go. I wanna, yes, yeah. I want to do this, you know, like you start doing pushups. And- uh, yeah, I know. Gosh, you're so compelling. So yeah, I, I, um, it's the thing behind the machine, whatever that thing is, you know, um, is, is where I think the problem is, but yeah, I don't, I don't fault people for buying into that narrative. Well, I, I mean, I do and I don't, right. I mean, I think we all have a responsibility to, follow Jesus and read scripture and do what he says. So I don't, I don't, but yeah, but I mean, we, we all read the Bible through our kind of cultural and ecclesiological lens. And when our ecclesiological lens has been so fogged up by, I think, non-Christian <laughs> themes, I'm mixing metaphors here. I was trying to fix that, but I, whatever you get the point, <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. yeah. Um, do you, do you think, I mean, again, you were part of the system. Do, do, like, do you think the higher ups in the military truly believe all the rhetoric, or do you think they see that it's way more com- complex than you know us? We're the good guys, and everybody else is the bad guys. Like, do you think they see problems out, or do, or do you think they they don't? I I don't think they do. Uh, I think it's this system that maybe like when it started they understood the complexities, but we are so deep into this now that it's just right. The system is just rife with this. And I think a good example is in the military, we talk a lot about, um, you know, Abu Ghraib and on these different uh, huge events in history where the U S did some terrible, terrible things. Uh, And some were held responsibly loosely and we'll teach those and we'll celebrate those. and then when a lot of the atrocities from Russia and Ukraine were coming out about what Russian soldiers were doing um, to Ukrainians and to Ukrainian soldiers, you know, I remember having a meeting with some of my leaders and, and then being like, this is just absurd. And I'm like, we literally just sat down yesterday and talked about how we did the same exact thing. We're not better than the Russians. We're not better than um, any of these bad guys we paint. And then it's, oh, no, well, we 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 uh, hold ourselves accountable. And I think there is definitely a level of that. But also, it's just a complete disregard that um, we are good mm-hmm. and they are bad. And, and there's a complete disregard of our ability to have that um, and that we catch everything that we do wrongly. Um, and it's and it's hubris and it's and it's egotistical and I think it's dangerous because you know as a Christian I think our first look needs to be like I'm the messed up one uh, what do I need to work on you know instead of looking at all these kids out there that are doing crazy things it's okay what do, how am I failing how am I sitting here and we need to be doing that but that's not what the military does everything we do is right. Which, again, if you start to break down systems, how can that be if we have a president making those decisions? Um, You know, maybe three presidents ago, they made that decision and we're still doing these things just because we're stuck over there. How is how is that okay? Just on the point blank blank check. Uh, There's 
I see very little critical thought into into those things. Um, and I think that's what's really dangerous. And so to be a Christian and to, you know, as a being in the military, you have to follow those orders and you have to go do what they say pretty much blindly. And that is a dangerous call. When we serve a God who, who we claim to be sovereign and who we uh, claim to, you know, be with us and, and to lead us and to guide us and the Holy Spirit that's with us. But we're going to disregard that just because of a blank statement, that order that we have to go kill these people, uh, sometimes indiscriminately. That is, uh, I don't see how I, I personally could not uh, do that anymore. That's why I became CEO. And I think that's where I struggle and try to talk with, especially Christians. You know, I'm not even trying to save the world or anything. Uh, I just want to reveal this Jesus that loves and that cares so much for us and for our enemies um you know he doesn't just love us i see pictures a lot in in different chapels and things of of jesus sitting with soldiers except the the posture isn't like he's among us and he's with us no matter what the posture is he's for us meaning he's against the others Mm. Uh, which i think is a very dangerous rhetoric to, to hold and to um, and to have when you have the might of the United States military behind you, uh, that is dangerous. And, and that's where I see a lot of, of, of those problems. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm curious in your training, is there, was there, you know, people, people, most people that are maybe more pro military, pro war, you know, if, if it's necessary, would say, oh, I'm, you know, I'm for just war. You know, I wouldn't, you know, I'm not just killing indiscriminately or doing Abu Ghraib stuff you know like they, they, i think most people would say yeah. especially christians would say well no that part's wrong but that doesn't mean the whole system is 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 wrong um is there a a deep concern within your training to uphold the kind of principles of just war to to make sure you're not you know killing civilians you're, you know um that you're you know using what proportionate means whatever there's like seven criteria for just war like like to to stay ethical within warfare is that pounded into you or is it not so much it definitely is uh we have tons of classes um especially officers um you know because that's kind of what we're charged with is is that ethical moral uh, decision making and so i do appreciate that where i think it falls short is name a just war uh name like it is just so impossible and so even though we're learning these things and we know them when we're putting ourselves in these situations, we're creating impossible scenarios. And so there is uh, proportionality, for for example, you know, try, pretty much in essence, it's, uh, you know, we got to do our best to not destroy uh, cultural sites, to not kill civilians and all these things. But there's always a but if the mission is necessary and um, you've done a proportionality assessment and you've minimized casualties, that's just kind of what happens with war, which I agree with that. Like, that's just what happens with war. And that's why I don't want to participate in it, because there is no uh, even though we're learning these things, even though we focus on following laws and, and all these things, it's war. And it's impossible to do that. How have you thought through, I'm curious, because I, I get this question a lot and I, I don't, I mean, I have an answer. Well, sort of, um, let me just raise a question, <laughs> you know, like, okay, it's one thing as a Christian to have this stance. It's one thing for the church to not participate, but 
a nation needs a military. It needs to defend itself. It needs to protect itself uh, if it's being invaded. Like, um, are you saying that like all the nations should just like get rid of their military or that it's wrong for a nation to have a military? It's wrong for a nation to defend itself through violence like how do you respond to have you thought through that first of all like the, just the difference between having a a christian ethic for the church but then also more of a political ethic for the nations um totally and i think that's like a million dollar question right and and yeah. whenever you talk about this stuff obviously like like it's brought up um there's also a piece of this that's hard because it's like okay if and you get this a lot when you talk about uh, gun violence in the United States and, and things like that. Well, okay, someone's attacking you. What are you going to do? You know, someone's attacking your wife. That's always the thing yeah, they go to, yeah. uh, which is weird. Someone's attacking your wife. What are you going to do? You're just going to let it happen. Uh, and in essence, that's not what we're saying at all, right? Um, so with the nation thing, I think the most important piece is to flat out say, I don't think America is a God's nation. And I don't think, I think it's pretty clear in scripture that his nation is not like this ordered Babylon or anything like that. His nation is his people from whatever background from the ends of the earth. And so that is going to be like our number one nation. It's not these, these borders and these governments that we've created. So from the start to say that is okay. If it's a secular nation, I understand why you want to protect yourself. Because you have interests that serve you and what you've decided is important for your country. And so I, I totally understand why you want to have a military to defend yourself and all of those things. And so in no way am I saying like uh, there shouldn't be countries or there shouldn't be nations or presidents or whatever. Uh, I understand why there is what I'm calling and, and what I want to follow is that first and foremost, I'm going to be loyal to this, to my citizenship of the kingdom of God. And at the expense of, okay, I'm not going to like participate in this war, um, which is hard. And I think one of the best or one of the hardest things to discuss is something like World War II with a Hitler, yeah. um, you know, who has, and I'll fully admit that, like, that is a hard discussion. And I, like, I'm glad yeah. I don't have to make that decision because that is like hard, hard question. I mean, any pacifist who um, says that's an easy question is is probably just more into making uh, a yeah. show of things. I agree. Um, I agree. Well, that's a real yeah. yeah. And yeah. Um, so there, there's like those layers that are really real. We can participate, but we have to be very careful about our level of participation. It is, um, you know, the government can be a great place to provide services to, I work at the Dale house here, which we, we provide services for at-risk youth. And a lot of our funding comes from governmental programs. Amazing. Like that is how we are taking care of kids. I wish it could have come from, you know, church from a long time ago and we've continued that system, but it's just not. And so that's where we're going to go to get care for. Great. Partic and, and I'm okay with that. To participate in the army, to go kill people, I'm not okay with. Mm -hmm. And so this is the hard part about being a citizen of Babylon, of, of the United States is, is, you know, what level of participation is going against, you know, who God yeah. created me to be, who, how we are supposed to interact with others. And that is a hard thing. And it's much easier to just kind of abide by the greater culture and to go with that. But, but that's the invitation that I think we have 
uh, you know, you want to be a Christian? <laughs> Go, come on, man. It's fun. You know, you really got to decide some hard things uh, and people aren't going to like you and uh, you're going to be different. That's the call instead of like, uh, you know, you want to be a Christian. Oh, great. Come, you know, and, and glorify the United States. And I think that's the hard, hard distinction. That yeah. we have. Uh, I don't know if that answers your question. No, it does. And I, it, yeah, but. I was just curious how you think through it. Cause I mean, I, you know, yeah, when I get that, I, I, my, my first response is, I, you know, I think the new, the new test, the ethics of the Bible really, but let's just say the, you know, new Testament ethics are desi- designed for the people of God living globally among the nations. Like there is this intrinsic dichotomy between being the people of God globally. We are scattered among the nations. The nations are not the church, you know? So there's this intrinsic difference between how the nations simply will live because they're the nations, they're Babylon. They're, I mean, according to Revelation 13, they're literally empowered by Satan. You know, (laughs) that's just, this is what the text says. I'm sorry. Like it, 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 well, specifically it talks about I would be okay. So be more specific to empires. Okay. Um, I wouldn't, I don't know if like revelation 13 has, you know, Costa Rica in mind, but it certainly has the United States of America as an empire or empire like nation that, that I think there is, well, I need to think through that a little more. I, I think there is, I think I genuinely think I'm not hundred percent sure, but a distinction in scripture, maybe not a harsh one, but some distinction between nations that act like empires you know, Assyria, Babylon, Persia, Rome. Um, and, and again, America would very much uh, fit within that. Um, I don't think every single nation on earth would, should be described as Babylon. That's why, that's why when I talk about this, I do keep it America centric. I mean, and, and you know, the other, you know, we can even, I think, Chinese Christians living in China, you know, have a similar, you know, tension on their hands. Christians living in Russia or even India is becoming um, very powerful, at least economically. Where am I going with that? Oh, yeah. So so I think the Christian ethic is is not, it's not designed to tell Babylon as this non-Christian empire how to live. When it talks about Babylon, it's a, it basically says you're going to be judged by God, you know, like given all of these sins that are, that are, you know, wrapped up with misuse of wealth, uh, sexual immorality, idolatry, uh, hurting the poor, not caring for the poor, you know, all these things that again are marks of the empire. And then the narrative of empire is God is going to judge the empire and it calls believers to, uh, in revelation was 18, you know, come out of her, like, like don't get too wrapped up in this imperial system. You are part of the kingdom of God, not the kingdom of of Babylon. And yes, we are to submit to the governing authorities and to seek to go to the city. And I think people take that to mean like, give your full allegiance to your Babylon you're living in. I'm like, no, the best way we can seek the good of Babylon is to not be like Babylon, to, to, to live as a citizen of God's kingdom and to live out those virtues while in Babylon, not, not to bow the knee to Babylon. So, yeah. So I, it, it, some people say, you know, it sounds like a cop out, like, should America have a military? Should America defend itself? Should America, should these other nations, you know, do these things? I'm like, I don't, based on what authority, I don't think the Bible is, gives an ethic for how Babylon is to live. It just says Babylon's going to be judged and it gives an ethic for how the people of God are to live. 
if you want me to put on my secular hat, then it's like, yeah, the bigger, the better. Don't care. Don't care about the poor. In fact, eugenics would be great. You know, just like, why don't you just kill people that are, you know, aren't good for society. And, you know, why would you ever care about other nations? Just, you know, all these, all these, you know, all these coups we've backed around the world, you know, where we've like took out a democratically elected leader because they weren't pro-America. We installed some puppet leader that was more pro-America. Yeah. Why not do that? You know, they're like, if you want to put on a secular hat and just think like a Babylonian, then sure. Anything goes, you know? Yeah. Hiroshima drop the bomb on Hiroshima. It, it you know, why not kill hundreds of thousands of civilians if it's going to end the war and prevent Japan from invading America, or whatever, you know? So I, I don't, I, I don't, I don't have a good secular political ethic. Cause I don't have a found, I don't like have a foundation from which to build that. What do you think? Yeah, I, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm thinking, I'm genuinely thinking out loud. I, I might be <laughs> totally out yeah. to lunch here, but no, that's great. I think that is a, is a key and revealed in, um, a lot of the conversations I have. So, you know, um, a lot of the pushback I get in, in general is, well, God did killed and told people to go to war in the old Testament. You know, that's like one of the key sure. defenses in, in, in being there. But I think what that's revealing is this idea that we are tying God's providence to the United States of America mm. as that, you know, cause God's not telling any of us, I, don't I'll be bold to say I don't really think he's saying like go over and kill these people in the Middle East. Um, but if if our president or if our Congress or whatever is signing, uh, you know, uh, laws to, to to go to war, if they're ordering soldiers to go fight in Syria or wherever we are, everywhere we are now, we're saying that's the hand of God, mm -hmm. which is a bold statement. But what we're inferring is that <laughs> our secular systems are are there because of what God is, is having them do. And it's tricky because scripture talks about, you know, being obedient to authorities and, and, you know, God puts people in place when they need to. So I think we have to take a step further than that and say, okay, where, what is our role then in this, in this society? Um, and do we actually believe that's what God is saying? Um, Cause there's a lot of other stuff in scripture. Like we're picking I feel like every conversation you have on here could end with we're pickpocketing scripture, you know? Uh, <laughs> but uh, like, I think that's a very important distinction yeah. is, is what we're inferring is that this is a Christian nation, the Christian nation, because yeah. there can't be multiple uh, because we're, we have different interests and things like that. Um, and so that's the inference, which I just don't see how that could be, um, yeah. be true. And especially when we look at what Jesus did, um, to disband that and, and, and to move on from that. Um, we're now not living in that. Um, and when, once we get away from that, there's not much left, especially in the New Testament, in this new era of supporting uh, killing other nations indiscriminately. There mm -hmm. just really isn't. It's right. just not there. If you have that, please send it to me. You know, um, I think the the only other feedback I get is the faith of the centurion, um, yeah. which is, you know, he had the, he had faith to save his servant and, and Jesus didn't tell him to not be a centurion. That's pretty, a small example. Um, but if we go off of what she, Jesus didn't say, um, we could yeah. really, you know, blow up this whole thing. Um, and then, uh, if we, if we look at that transparently with 
the Sermon on the Mount, that just doesn't make yeah. sense. And and uh, buy a cloak and or sell your cloak and buy a gun. Um, all these types yeah. of things, or buy a sword, not a gun. They did not have guns. <laughs> That's how it's applied, um, though. Yeah. yeah, you know, like these are just they don't make sense systemically with where we are. Um, if you take away that piece of America is not a Christian nation, it is just a secular, another secular nation. Yeah, I do think that. Well, your your final point is the most important. I think underlying a lot of the churches how it thinks through these questions has this assumption. It still has this underlying assumption that America is unique, is different, is even if they wouldn't say a Christian nation, it's like, yeah, but we're still kind of the good guys. Right. And that's where I think any kind of Christian Christianity is a multi-ethnic global kingdom of God spread among the nations. Like that is our starting point, whatever ethic we cultivate that, um, helps us think through our identity and relation to the, the the nation we're living under, it should be transferable to all Christians living around the globe. So however you frame your citizenship in America, it should be able to apply to our Chinese brothers and sisters living in China. It should apply to, you know, people living in Zimbabwe, people living in Nigeria and South Africa, you know, like, so however we frame, this is what it means to be a good citizen. We need to serve our military and do all these things. Okay. Then let's tell our Chinese Christians, the same thing that they, to be, you got to be pro China. You got to, well, it's like, no, well, China's bad and we're kind of good. Right. Like, well, yeah. Scripturally, I, I, I don't know. Like, and I, you know, I would be the first one to say again, if I just put on my kind of secular hat for a second, like of all, you know, I think there's a lot of natural goods that, the American system does, does produce. Okay. I, I do think in demo, democracy is, is probably a good that uh, human rights are a good. And these, you know, there's a lot of books being written recently about how, even though America is not a Christian nation, it still, there are many craters of the gospel, as Jamie Smith says, you know, in most Western countries, the fact that we would even value like democracy, <laughs> like, where does that come from? You know, or the freedom of all people, where does that come from? These are Judeo-Christian values that are kind of etched in, into society. So, so I don't want to just say every single nation is exactly the same on a moral level. No, I think there's, there's differences, but, um, but I think as we cultivate a Christian ethic, it has to be a multi-ethnic global Christian ethic that is kind of the same for the global kingdom of God. Um, and I think we, I think we often just, we, we just, it's natural, right? We, 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 we think through our ethic from our national situatedness, like the, the country that we are living in, but it has to be transferable. Yeah. I think anyway, that is a brilliant yeah. point. And, and we don't do that even as a nation um, that we say like, we're the good guys and for democracy and things. I want to be very clear. I do. There's amazing. I love America. I love, you know, my ability to live here and, and and all of those things. But we also don't do that as a country level. Right. So, uh, you know, the U.S. was one of six countries. I think it was six to uh, not come out or, or to support the death penalty. Mm. Um, and the other countries are like Iran, North Korea, you know, Saudi Arabia, those kind of countries where we would look at them and be like, you're the bad guy but we're having the same ethic as them. And so are we comfortable to say that every ethic then from America is a good one? Uh, 
those are just dangerous statements Mm -hmm. in general. But our call as Christians is to dig into each one of these and, and to see how we can be the most loving, kind, you know, Jesus figure to all as we can. And that's what's hard. And that's what, what gets Mm -hmm. the pushback because it's just, it's more work. And it's, uh, and it's, and it's, it's a, it's a slippery slope because once you start going, then everything, you know, uh, starts coming at you. What about this? What about this? What about this? And it can be overwhelming. And so I, I also just want to say, you know, our role isn't to be this like moral police or, or this like ethical police where we're nitpicking and pointing fingers at everything wrong everybody's doing. Mm-hmm. I don't want to come off that way. And I think I, I can, and I probably have before with a lot of these discussions. What I really want to make clear is the grace, underlying grace in all of right, this right, right. is that like we are people who are in a uh, difficult era, in a difficult time period, uh, figuring out a lot of things. We're very interconnected. We have all these different views out there. And so I do want to just take a breath and say in a, in the spirit of like, you have to figure everything out and be right about everything and write a book about everything and like screw everyone else that's wrong. I want to take a step back from that and just invite some grace and some peace and know that like our mission isn't that. Our mission is just to kind of take a next step of faith. And for me, that next step of faith was putting in a CO packet and it's brought me to where I am. And for others that might not be there, um, but I do invite you to think deeper about these this topic um, and and to know that the end of the it's not the decisions that is like the end game. You know, Jesus Christ is our end game. Um, we just have to wrestle with all of these things that we live with. Um, rolling it, yeah, we're all on by a, listening and like, yeah, sorry, yeah. I could go on. No, 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 it's good. No, I mean, we're all on a journey. We're all on a journey, and and I think we should admit too. Like, I I often wonder, like, what are what are the just blatant, obvious blind spots that I have in, in, in my theology, in my ethic, you know, that in 200 years from now, people will look back and say, those early 20s, what was he thinking? <laughs> what was he thinking? You know, right now we look back at like, you know, all these like Christian theologians who like own slaves or were, you know, or if they weren't against slavery, they weren't opposed to it. Um, and some like Jonathan Edwards and others that were like, you know, we read his books and everything. Like how, what, what were you thinking? Like, yeah, everybody has that of, of every era, you know, um, and I think we need to be humble enough to say, here's where I'm at on my journey. And I, I want to think through and, ha- you know, all these issues as well as I can, knowing that there's always more to think through. And I'm, I'm never going to exhaust, you know, all of the arguments for every position that I have. So we should always be humble with the views that we hold, hold them, I think, passionate. Well, I often say, you know, that the, the depth the strength of our conviction should math match the depth of our study. So like if someone asked me, you know, like what, what's better, you know, capitalism or democratic socialism? Well, how many books have I read on economics for me to be able to say like, Oh, definitely it's this, you know, it's like, I, I don't know, some kind of form of capitalism with some kind of checks and balances seems right. I think, but we should care for those who for whatever reason can't, you know, would work, but can't work, whatever, you know, I, I, I think so, but I, you know, what do I know? Like, I don't, I haven't like studied this in, in, in depth. So, but when you have like really drilled down deep into something, I think that, you know, you, you probably should hold, hold your view passionately, but, but all also w- with a certain level of humility, knowing that you have, we have major blind spots. We just don't know what they are yet. <laughs> That's why we're on a journey. Right. So all that to say, I appreciate yeah, I think- 
Yeah, as a CEO, you saying, "Look, I am not casting judgment on people that aren't aren't there, or aren't there yet, or maybe never will be there." You know, I think that's that's a very noble um, manner in which you hold your position. I think with the military, what's hard is we talk with our bodies, right? So, like, where am I standing? Uh, mm-hmm. You know, if you're in the military, you're wearing a uniform and you're showing up every day. You're wearing a flag on your shoulder. And you're, you know, very obvious things that you're standing with. And I, I, I like to tell people to start there. You know, where, where. Are, where is your physical body and what is that supporting? And does that need to change? Um, you know, we can get into these dynamic things. And so that's where for me standing there, I had to make a movement with my body to represent mm. um, what I believe my faith was. And that's what I invite Christians to do um, and to wrestle with, you know, where are we standing? Who's around us? What does that support? And what does that say about us? And does that need to change? Well, Spencer, thank you so much for uh, being a guest on Theology in a Raw. Um, I'm, I'm honored to have played some role in your journey without even knowing it until 10 minutes ago. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thanks. I, uh, it's really, really an honor to be here and, and, uh, thanks for, for the work you and, and, uh, I want to give a shout out to all the CEOs that have ever been before me that have protected that right. And, and that have stood up and, and taken that step, you know, we live in, in their, uh, journey and their trail. So thank you all. This show is part of the Converge Podcast Network.